faithful servant. We saw the trauma that he went through and what happened to him. Well, it was rough, but he was faithful. And then we saw last week Balaam and the doctrine of Balaam and what that means and how that not only is there trials from the outside like the folks was trying to get after Antipas, but there's also trials a lot of time from the inside because we're people, because we're human beings, because we're always being stretched and pulled. And so there's trouble on the outside, trouble on the inside, and sometimes you think, Man, is it worth it? You know, what, what am I going to do? And you raise up your hands. And then we come to what we're going to have today. I saw the light. When my dear Savior's face I see that saved me by His grace and brought me in. We're going to see today our incentive, our reward. He says, I know where you live. I know where you dwell. I know times are tough. I know there's trouble outside and persecution. I know there's trouble inside. But guess what? If you're faithful to the end, I'm going to give you a couple things. And that's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare to open up your holy and divine word, we pray, Father, as we go forward that we that we examine ourselves, but that we also get lost in your praise and in your grace and in your, your gifts. So, Father, you're going to show us a couple of precious, exceedingly great promises from your word. Thank you. Thank you that you not only suffered and died for us and went to the cross and took all of that shame and horror, but also that you loved us so much that you left us with your word and you left us with these promises. And Father, we're going to explore those today and may our hearts be joyful and may we be uplifted as we leave this place today knowing what you are going to do for us and it's a promise in your name. And we give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Have your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 2 if you would. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you something I heard this week. Heard about... Oh, uh, Forrest Gump, everybody remembers old Forrest, don't you? Well, I, I heard this scenario where he, yeah, where he, uh, he was at the pearly gates and he, he met St. Peter there. St. Peter was the gatekeeper and, and he said, Hey, Forrest, it's good to see you, man. We've, I've heard a lot about you. I'm glad you're here. Um, but the place is filling up. You got an entrance exam that we got to give. I'm sorry, there's... Three questions that I got to give you. You know, Forrest, he's like, well, I didn't prepare for that. I didn't really reckon that something was going to be like that. I hope that I can pass because life was a tough enough test as it is. And I say amen to that. Life is a tough enough test. But St. Peter said, well, here's, here's a couple questions. I think you'll get them right. He said, first of all, pretty easy. Name the two days of the week that begins with the letter T. Forrest thought for a minute and scratched his chin. He said, well, that would have to be today and tomorrow, wouldn't it? St. <laughs> Peter, he, he kind of looked and you could see him. as like, well, you know, that's not exactly what I thought about. I thought you'd say Tuesday and Thursday, but I can't argue with you. So I'm going to give you a pass on that when we'll go to question number two. So question number two. 
How many seconds are there in a year? Oh, that's a tough one. He really starts struggling with that one. He starts to do the math and use his finger. And he said, 12. Well, with that, St. Peter's halo about fell off. You know, and he's shaking himself. He said, how'd you get 12? How in the world did you come up with 12, Force? He said, well, there's January the 2nd, February the 2nd. (laughs) All right, all right, I see where you're going again. Not what I thought, but I didn't specify. So, I'm going to have to let you go on that one too. But this one... There's no bypassing it. You've got to answer this one right. What's the first name of God? He said, that's the easiest question you've asked me the whole time. It's Andy. <laughs> well, with that, the halo did fall off, you know. And he's like, what? And he goes, yeah, all the time in church, we would sing, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. It's not Andy Wade. It's Andy, Andy one who gave me his life. And... Uh, He said, well, you know what? He reaches over and he hits the button. And he says, run, Forrest, run. (laughs) Get in there. And just like that, aren't we ready for some good news? I mean, we've been struggling with these things that's going on in Pergamos. And we're ready for some good news. We're ready to run through those gates. And... As I'm sitting there thinking about that this week, a song came to mind from the 1983. Anne Murray. Times had been tough. I was thinking about that time in 1981 and 82. I was just married in 82. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to have the American dream. I'm never going to be able to own a house because interest rates are 18.5%. Payments are sky high. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to do that. This song came out during the middle of all of this crisis that said, we sure could use a little good news today. And that's what we're going to have today, folks. I want you to have some good news today. So if you're there at Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to have to read these today because with no screen up there. But in in verse 17, I'm not going to read the rest of it. I just want to go right to the chase of what we're here for today. He that hath an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written on it which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. To the one overcoming. We've been talking about that in these churches. There's always a promise to the overcomer. The the nikao, the Nike, the victory, the victor. Did you all get a white stone today? Does everybody have a white stone? If not, see Andy back there. He's got a bucket of them. I want you to have a white stone. Yeah. No, that's a different Andy. It's... Yeah, not that, Andy. It's a different one. But he's got your stone. And and if you want to, keep them with you as a reminder of the promise that we're going to have today that God has given to us and what Jesus has said. If you notice, he says, I am going to give it to you. We're going to get this stone personally from Jesus. And we're going to get some manna from him. And it's the Lord says, I will give it to you. And that is special. But you know what? I'm sitting there thinking, 
what does that mean to me, really? I mean, what does manna and what does this stone mean to me? And he says there's going to be a new name on it. I was asked why the stones didn't have their name. You know why? He says, no man knoweth. I didn't know what to put there. Jesus is going to write that on your stone when you get there. He's going to take care of that. I don't know what it is. But I'm thinking, what does manna and a stone really serve as an incentive, as a motivational point for me? That's not something that makes me just go out there and face death like Antipas. But oh, if we start digging a little bit deeper into what it is. He says it's the manna that's been hid. So turn your Bibles since we don't have the projector to Exodus 16. Now for those of you who are Bereans, take note. Exodus 16 is your chapter to read this week. We'll have nine of them. But Exodus 16, in there is the whole story of manna and what it was. And you know, there's actually three different kinds of manna. It was all the same, but God treated it three different ways. You know, there was the manna that came down every day on the ground. There was manna, and it, you couldn't keep it overnight. Because it would spoil and it stank and bread worms, it says in the King James. I like that. On the, on the day before the Sabbath, though, you were to collect two portions of it so that it was for today and for the Sabbath. And that would keep overnight and not spoil. But then there was also the manna that God commanded Moses and Aaron to go and to pile up and put it into a golden vessel and then place that into the Ark of the Covenant. That manna never spoiled. It was always there for them to look upon as a promise of God of how he had protected them and took care of them and provided for them in the wilderness. But what I wanted to read you there in uh, Exodus chapter 16 is about this manna that Jesus is promising us. And the first thing as I'm reading and I'm thinking about it is that manna in reality was something that God provided daily for the people as they left Egypt and was going to the promised land. And for 40 years, they would wake up and God was faithful that every day that He said that that manna would be there on the ground, it was for 40 years. Egypt is kind of like the world in a representation, symbolic type of thing. That wilderness is our journey going to a place that has been promised to us, but we haven't seen yet. And by faith, they left the comfort of where they were at and decided to travel to a place that they didn't know about because of a promise of God. And in that journey, God provided their food and sustenance for them every day that they were there for 40 years. That manna had all the nutrients in it. Every vitamin and mineral, nobody got sick. They died only because of bad choices. But they didn't get sick. It says that even your clothes didn't wear out, your sandals didn't wear out, your feet didn't swell, if you read in there, because I'm providing for you and I'm taking care of you. And in verse 3, it's, they get out there and they start saying, Oh, 
God's brought us out here just to dump us and we're going to, oh, we wish that we were back in the land of Egypt. Oh, we wish we were back there to where we had the good food. And God said, I hear what you're saying in verse 4. I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day. And then I want you to see what he says there. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to fast forward to um, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Bereans, Deuteronomy chapter 8 this week. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, Moses is talking to the people and he says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt and took you through the wilderness all this time. And God says, I humbled you. I made you hungry so that I could feed you. And then I fed you with this bread from heaven so that you would know that I'm your God. And also so that you know that it is I that takes care of you because Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I've got about 25 facts on manna. I'm not going to share them with you right now. We'd be here a while. But one of those things is, if you look at it, he's comparing the word of God to manna, isn't he? Well, God sent that down for us. He says, I sent it to test you, to prove you. If you're going to walk in my way. What did I want you to do? What did I ask you to do with that manna? Gather a little bit every day. You know the ground's covered with it. But I only want you to get as much as you need for that day. You don't have to try to get everything in the book all at once. I want you to get a little bit today. I want you to get a little bit tomorrow. I want you to get a little bit the next day. So that as you begin to build upon that, I am going to nourish you with everything that you need, Peter says, that provides us with life and godliness. But you can't eat it all at once. And you can't put it up on the shelf and store it because it breeds worms and stinks when it's on the shelf. It's no good. Some folks liked it and some folks didn't. And they just put it up to store and it wasn't no good for them. You got to take what you need today God's only going to give you today what you need to handle today's troubles with. Doesn't he say, take one day at a time, sufficient for today is the trouble in it. I'm going to give you the bread you need for today. I'm going to give you the bread that you need for tomorrow. And it's going to take care of you. And I'm going to provide for you every step of your way as you're walking out of this world until you make it to the promised land. I'm going to give you that manna. But he didn't stop there. In John chapter 6, another Berean chapter. In John chapter 6, Jesus is having a discussion uh, with them all. And he's, he had just fed the people. He had just uh, had a big discussion with them. I'm going to turn there and read it for you. John chapter 6. Starting down in verse 33. He makes a comparison with this manna. And the page you need is always the one that's stuck. Verse 32, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses wasn't the one that gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And the bread of God is what? He 
who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. Then they said, Lord, we want this bread. He says, "Uh, well, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, fast forward down to verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they passed away. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, that I will give as a life for the world. Verse 53, Jesus told him, Most assuredly, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What do we do every Sunday for those who believe? We partake of the Lord's Supper. We're partaking of Him. There's another representation of the manna. They had it like that. We have the Word of God every day. At the end of the week, they got a double portion, didn't they? You not only get this, but we get to take the communion and eat of the body and drink of the blood of the covenant and the representation of what He has left with us. And guess what? You know what it says in Psalm 78? So if Bereans write down now Psalm 78. That's another chapter for you to read this week in Psalm 78. And we get there. Remember I told you that there was manna that was daily and manna that would stay overnight that one time a week. But then I said there was another manna that was put into a golden urn. And it was put into the Ark of the Covenant. And it stayed there and it was kept forever. Well that Ark went into the Holy of Holies. So in the tabernacle and the temple, they would go all the time into the outer portion. But only one time a year could the high priest go into the inner portion to offer it up. That's where that Ark of the Covenant was. And hidden inside of that Ark was that golden urn of manna. Remember, it was hidden in there. Jesus said, what? I'm going to give you to eat of the Hidden manna. Oh, you know what that's going to be? We're partaking of him and his body now. But in heaven one day there's going to be a feast. And guess what we're going to get to eat? Manna. That's being hid. That Jesus has provided for us for eternal life and nourishment. Psalm 78. The people were out there complaining again. And they said... Oh, he brought water from a rock, but can he set a table before us in this wilderness? Can he provide food along with that water? And God answered and brought manna and quail. And then it says in verse 21 of Psalm 78, The Lord heard their grumbling. He was furious with it. But it was because they were not believing and trusting that he could provide for them. That's me sometimes. But yet, verse 23, God in grace, He commanded the clouds above to be open. The doors of heaven rained down manna for them to eat. And they gave them the bread of heaven. Now, verse 25 of Psalm 78. Men ate angels' food. 
Wow, think about that, would you? I had a rock for everybody today. But I only brought angel food for me. And men ate angel's food. And one day, that hidden manna, that angel's food that's reserved up there, is going to be for you and I. Oh, it's said that when they would gather that manna together, that it was white and that they could bake it and it tasted like honey with wafers. It's pretty good. Angel's food. You know, one day, whooping a craving on y'all, aren't I? One day, <laughs> one day we are all going to be partaking at a feast and eating the food of angels with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him that overcomes, will I give to eat the bread of heaven, angels' food. That's going to be one of our rewards and one of our gifts. Now, for number two, this white stone that everybody got. You know, what does that mean? He who overcomes, I'm going to give the hidden manna, and I'm going to give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name is going to be written, and no one knows it except the one who receives it. Jesus said, I am going to give you this. I'm going to tell you, this one's special to me. Not that manna isn't, oh, I I can't wait to partake of that feast. But this white stone is something that I can hold on to right now because I can have like a stone to look upon. What does that mean? There's a lot of opinions about that. I've got five of them. First two, I'm just going to knock right out. I, I don't buy them. One of the opinions is people try to say that there was a law of adoption in the Roman times and that where we're adopted by Jesus and God, that, that these laws would apply and, and a, the name written on a stone was part of that. I'm not buying it. It's not enough biblical things and backing that I can't put that in there. Now, the next one kind of talks about um, the breastplate of the high priest and how that there was the stones upon it and each stone had a name of one of the 12 tribes written on each one of those. One of them was a white stone. Maybe it's Zebulun's stone because his was white. It could tie in some way to those things, but I'm not going with that one either right now. Now, number three... You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Escalapus. You remember that guy who was the, uh, supposedly the, the god of medicine and healing and how that he had the staff with the serpent entwined upon it. And on Wednesday night that week, we watched a video in our studies and it showed how that there, if you were healed, if you went through that temple and you were healed and you came out, what they had on the outside was a big white monument. And they, it was a stone monument and they would put your name on it and the disease that you were healed from. I can see the tie-in to the people in Pergamos who sees this all the time and that was their culture and they could say that Jesus is telling us that he is the one who saved us from the real pain of death and suffering. And that I'm getting that white stone with my name written on it. I can see that. But that's not my number one or two choice. Number, 
I call them 1A and 1B. 1B is getting ready to happen next month. Anybody have an idea? The Olympics. Yeah, the Olympic Games is coming on. That's why I teach and I don't play music. (laughs) Um, I think I heard one person, somebody was following with me. What's funny is I'm going to throw this in for free. Usually ladies have rhythm and the guys don't. I'm always clapping in between beats. I mean, everybody else is clapping like this and I'm in between. So I'm always off beat for some reason. But it seems right to me. But anyway, the Olympic Games. They're going to be coming up next week or next month. I love the Olympic Games. I love the summer games, the winter games. I like it. Did you know that they started in 776 B.C. is the first recorded portion of the Olympic Games. So it's been going on for about 2,800 years. It went on before that, but that's the first actual recording stuff that we have on it. You remember that altar of Zeus that we saw that had all of those carvings on it all the way around it? That was the Olympians from Mount Olympus where they were having games and they were having wars and it was some of those epic things that was carved on there. This goes way back. And you know what you would get at the Olympic Games whenever you won an event? Today we get a gold medal and we get up there and they play our national anthem. But in the day, back in the day, they got a crown. And the word for that crown is Stephanos. And that's, that's uh, significant because there's two crowns. There's a diadem. And you've heard the, the gospel song. They took the royal diadem and crowned him. Lord of all. The royal diadem. That's the royal crown of royalty. But the Stephanos crown is the one that you see all of those Romans wearing that was weaved around on their head. It's the crown of victory. It's the Nikao crown. What we've been talking about to the one who overcomes. And so this crown was given to each one who ran the race. Each one who fought in an event or participated in an event. And you know what was significant about it? You would win your crown. You would have that crown. And it was so glorious and it was an honor. And everyone strove to do that. But you didn't get it when your event finished like they do now. What they had was a supper. They had a victory supper. And when you participated in the event, they gave you a white stone. And on that stone would be the name of the event that you won. And then they would put your name upon it and give it to you. And that white stone was your entrance into the victory celebration. The dinner that they were going to have when the head of the games would award the crown to each winner of each department, of each contest. I'm getting a tingle now. Because... The word tells me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is there and he's getting close to the end of his life. And he says what? He compares it to the Olympic Games. And he says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, therefore, there is laid up for me 
a crown, a Stephanos of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give to me on that day. I thought you got it then. No, he said, when, when is he going to get it? On that day. Right now, he's got a white stone. Because he fought the fight, he finished the race, and kept the faith. So, when he crossed over, he got a white stone. Because the victory celebration doesn't happen till the games are over. We're still going on, aren't we? Every one of us right now is striving in a race, fighting in a fight, competing in this event called life where we've got persecution from the outside and we've got persecution from the inside and there's all kind of things that's trying to tempt us and draw us away and keep us from making the course. Jesus said to those who finish the race, stay faithful to me through it all. I'm going to give you a white stone and I'm going to put you a new name on it. You know, Saul became Paul, didn't he? Abram became Abraham. Jacob became Israel. Throw you another trivia question. A man named Joseph became Barnabas, Acts chapter 4. We get a new name. Because you know why? In Christ we're what? A new creature. You've been born again, so you've got a new name. And whatever name he has chosen to put on there, he's going to put on that. When we cross over, we're going to meet him face to face and you're going to get a white stone with your name on it. But you know what? That's only 1B. That's not getting us up to 1A. You know what 1A is? This white stone, there's all kinds of stones. You've got boulders, you've got rock cliffs, you've got pebbles. There's all kinds of words for stone. The word for this stone that Jesus said that he's going to give to those who overcome is a word that's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's not the word like Petros for Peter. It's not any of those. It's called Saphos. And when you look it up, it's used one other time in Acts 26. And this is is the one that I really love. Because in Acts 26, Paul says he's, he's before Agrippa and he's given his defense. And he says in Acts 26 and starting out in verse 10, I believe it is. He says, you know what? I persecuted the Christians. I sentenced them to death. I cast my vote against them. To put them to death. I was zealous for my old law. My old way. That. They're not wanting me to tell you this good one. I'm just going to holler anyway. Boy we're we're going crazy today with stuff. We're alright. In Acts 26 he said. I cast my vote against them. In the day. When they would vote on different things and they would have a trial. The people who sat on the jury got either a, got a black stone and a white stone. And at the end of it, they would pass around a bottle. And you would put the stone in on whether you thought they were guilty as charged. Or whether you thought they were innocent of everything. 
And at the end, they would pour that out. Jesus says, I am the righteous judge. What did Paul say? The Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. The Lord says, I'm, and this is the word for casting a vote. Same word used in Acts 26. Jesus says, to you who are faithful, to you who overcome, I cast a white stone, innocent of all charges. Your sins are gone. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, no condemnation. You can't be charged because you've got a white stone from the righteous judge. He cast that to you. He has given that to you. Listen to his victory speech in Colossians chapter 2. In Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in the which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God for you. You were dead in your trespasses, And the uncircumcision of your flesh. But he has made you alive together with him. And he has forgiven you of all of your trespasses. He wiped out the handwriting of ordinances. That's the one that says you are guilty of this crime. And he wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He took it out of the way. And he not only did that. The prosecutor the enemy, the one who's trying to indict you. He says he disarmed that principality and power and he made him a public spectacle and he has triumphed over him. Amen? You have therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. One last thing. We talked about how that white stone then that we get because we are in Christ He has voted that there is no condemnation in us and that we finish the course and we get to go to the feast. Bereans, Revelation 19. Revelation 19, I want to share you a glimpse of that feast that we're going to share together with everyone who gets a white stone. Starting in verse 5, it says, A voice came from the throne saying, Praise God, all of you servants and those who fear Him, great and small. And I heard, as it were, the voice of the great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! Hallelujah! We made it. The Lord God is omnipotent and He reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready for us. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the fine linen is the righteousness acts of the saints. That's by being in Christ Jesus. And then he said to me, write, and this is Jesus talking, this is in red. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper, the victory supper, The ones who overcame. The ones who competed, who ran the race, 
who finished the course, who kept the faith, henceforth is laid up for us a crown. And to get there, you get a white stone to go to that crown for the marriage feast of us to the Lamb of God who bought us, cleansed us, and said, I took away every sin. You stay faithful and run the race with me. I'm going to present you a crown on that great day when we all gather together at that supper table. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that some good news? Is that, is that some good incentive for us to compete in this race that we are in? Amen. So I guess now I ask you, as the worship team comes on up, um, I ask you to take example of your, uh, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Have I followed Christ in that, that baptism that took away and wiped out the handwriting of ordinances because I believe in Him and I believe in His Word and what He told me to do. And if I do it, He said, I'll wipe away all of those sins and I'll take them away from you. If I have, have I kind of got knocked out of the ring a little bit in that fight that we're fighting? Did I stop? I used to run cross country. It was hard not to stop and take a breath every once in a while when you're in practice especially. You know, right now we're in that race. We got some manna coming. We got a white stone with a name on it. We've got a supper that we want to go to to get our victory crown. I pray that each one of you will fight the fight, finish the race, and that I will sup with you, with our Lord and Savior, in that great victory feast when He comes to get His own. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. And for these precious promises that you have given to us. Exceeding great and precious promises for those who love you. Who trust in you. May we be in your word that manna each day. That will give us the nourishment and the strength. To fight the fight. To stay the course. To finish the race. And Father thank you for the manna. And thank you for the white stone. And for the crown that you're going to give us as overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen.
strength. 